Thank you for listening in to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. Our current sermon series is from the book of 1 Corinthians. For more information, visit our website at cumberlandcornerstone.org. Turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. As we come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it seems like a long time since we've been in 1 Corinthians 14. I've been a lot of places since we've been in 1 Corinthians 14. But uh, we want to try to remember where we were and, and bring this chapter to an end. And follow along as we read verse 26 down through the end of the chapter. Paul is going to start making application to what he has taught us in chapters 12, 13, and 14. And we see that when he says, how is it then, brethren? Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home. For it is shameful for women to speak in the church. Or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it you only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. As we come to the end of this section, and when we talk about a section, we're talking about chapters 12, 13, and 14, where Paul has been uh, teaching us about what it means to be filled with the Spirit and what it means to, to live in the, the power of the Spirit, he now brings us to a, a place of application. And I think it's very important for us to understand what Paul is saying here. We're not going to understand it all. There's a lot of things here that maybe even bother us a little bit. We're going to try to understand it as best we can. But I think what we need to understand is Paul is making application to how the Spirit works in our life. There is a lot of things that are being done even in the church today and even among Christianity today that are, that are attributed to the Spirit. Well, the, the Spirit caused me to do this, or the Spirit led me to do this, or the Spirit, you know, I, I was carried away by the Spirit, or, or this, that, and the other thing. And I think what we're going to see in chapter 14 is Paul says a lot of that is nonsense. A lot of that is not being led by the Spirit. And he's going to give us some real ideas about what true spirituality is all away, all about. True spirituality, as we have seen in chapters 12, 13, and now here in 14, is not being carried away in some ecstatic experience. It is not being out of control. It is rather the spiritual man developing in his godly character. That's what it means to be spiritually controlled. 
Doesn't mean that I have some ecstatic experience. Doesn't mean that I have some out-of-body experience. Doesn't mean that I'm carried away or I'm out of control. No, it means I'm in total control. I'm in the total control of the Holy Spirit. See, the godly character that God is trying to work into our lives demonstrates what? A love and concern, not for myself, but for other people. A, a love and concern that is disciplined so as to be able to set aside my own desires and my own even spiritual gifts or to use my spiritual gifts for what purpose? To build up other people. And he's been consistent in that. Our spiritual gifts are for what purpose? My edification? No, for the edification of the entire body of Christ. And so as we come to verses 26 through 40, Paul, uh, in these verses, his goal is to speak directly to the excesses, to the problems that were going on in the church at Corinth and try to correct those excesses. And he begins there in verse 26 with the phrase, how is it then, brethren? And that's just simply another way of saying, well, what's the outcome? After all the things that I've taught you, what is the result? How are we going to apply this to our lives? What is the practical application of all of this teaching in chapters 12, 13, and 14? What is the practical application that, that we can apply to our lives for what I've just given to us? And so that's what we want to look at this morning. And the first thing that we see is the pattern in Corinth. In verse 26, he says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? Paul begins by saying, When the local church came together to worship, all right, when, when they gathered together to worship, and, and so when he says that that way, he is giving application to us, I think, as well. This is what we need to do when the church gathers together to worship. Here are some thoughts. Here are some practical applications about when the local church gathers together as a body of believers to worship. And from this verse, we discover that there was not a lack of spiritual gifts in the church of Corinth, or at least perceived spiritual gifts in the church of Corinth. Uh, they, they're specifically in the area of utterances. We, we see here in this verse, uh, Paul says, when you come together to worship, each one of you has a psalm. Each one of you has a psalm. Each one of you has a tongue. Each one of you has something to say. And there was not a lack of readiness to use their spiritual gifts. And we've, as we've looked at chapters 12, 13, and 14, we, we've come to the, the question, are, are they really gifted or is this something that they perceived? But Paul says, when you come together, each one of you wants to say something. And so it seemed that when they came together... Uh, to their, the, for worship, they all wanted to speak. They all wanted to, to sing. They all wanted to teach. They all wanted to speak in tongues. And the result was what? Confusion. There was confusion in the church. This was also true of some of the women in the church. 
And we're going to get to that passage. And I know that's already given some of you some, some uh, heartburn as we think about the, the, the woman's role in the church. But it, it seems that at Corinth, that was the, what was going on with the women as well. Each one came with the purpose. Now think about it. They came with the purpose of sharing or exercising their own spiritual gift. On one hand, that's not wrong, is it? We should be coming to exercise our spiritual gift. But they were coming to do what? To be patted on the back or to look good because, hey, hey, wait a minute, I want to be better than you. And so they were all exercising their spiritual gifts. The result of which then was that the church was vying with one another over who would speak. They were each, you know, wait, wait, me, 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 you know. In fact, they weren't even me, me, me. They were just gone. They were just all speaking at the same time. And, uh, and there was total confusion going on in the church. There was total disorder. And, uh, it, and it was all being done in the name of being carried away by the Spirit. By the way, let me back up a little bit. Go back to verse 23. And Paul says in verse 23, Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, and you're all speaking with tongues, or let's even go to verse 26, if you're all singing, if you're all not, not singing, you got to get the idea. We were singing, but we were all singing what? The same song, and we were singing together. No, that's not what was going on in Corinth. Over here, they were singing this song, and this person's singing that song, and this person's doing that. And look what Paul says in verse 23. If an unsaved person comes into the church and sees what's going on here, they're going to think what? You're out of your minds. Look at the end of verse 23. Will they not say you're out of your mind? And yet it was all being done in the name of being carried away in the spirit. And so Paul now gives specific directives which were aimed at correcting this problem, this disorder within the church. And he begins by once, once again setting forth his principle, the principle that he's been trying to get across to, to them and to us. And it comes at the end of the verse. He says, let all things be done for what? Edification. Let all things be done for edification. The major principle of this verse is seen at the end of the verse and it says, let all things be done for edification. This is the principle that he has been emphasizing throughout the entire section. Through, through chapters 12, through chapters 13, through chapter 14. He, he wants us to understand everything we do in the church should be done for the edification of all. Let's review that. Verse chapter 12. Spiritual gifts were given not for selfish use. They were given for the purpose of edifying one another. But remember in Corinth, I want to have this gift. I want to have that gift. I want to have this gift. Because why? It made me look good. Or people said, look at how spiritual he is. Paul says that's not the purpose of spiritual gifts. We use our spiritual gift to edify the church. We use our spiritual gift to edify all believers, not myself. In chapter 13, Paul says, love does not seek its own. You know, that's that great chapter and we talked about love. And there's a lot of things we can learn from that. But as far as it comes to spiritual gifts, Paul says, love doesn't seek its own. Love doesn't seek to be puffed up. Instead, it is looking out for the best interest of everyone else. 
I use my spiritual gift for the edification of the church. Chapter 13. Chapter 14. Paul has been talking about the teaching. Uh, uh, he's been teaching us about the use of spiritual gifts in the church. And it said, what, he says once again in chapter 14, it should be done, uh, it should be governed by uh, what is most effectively edifying the entire body of believers. And so that's the principle. We got a problem in the church. The problem in the church is everybody's doing their own thing. Everybody's trying to exercise their spiritual gift. Everybody's doing their, their own thing. And Paul says, the principle is we need to be edifying the entire body of believers. When, you come, when we come together to worship here at Cornerstone, it, it's not for my edification. It's not for this person's edification. It's that, you know, someone doesn't get up and sing so that we can all go, wow, God gave them a great gift. No, it's for the edification of the church, for the growth of the church. And now Paul is going to give some very specific directives based upon that principle to correct some of the behavior that was going on there at the church at Corinth. Some of the things that were going on in the worship. So keep that in mind. As we go through this chapter, he's talking about specific problems that were going on in the church at Corinth. Can we make application to them? Absolutely. But these are specific issues that were a problem there in Corinth. And let's look at some of the problems that needed to be corrected. And the first one comes in verses 27 and 28, and that is the gift of tongues. Paul gives some instructions and some directions for using the gift of tongues. And, and look what he says. If anyone speaks in a tongue, and let's just stop and think about that for a moment. Boy, I get to come down and talk to you. Uh, remember what a tongue was. Tongues, as far as Scripture is concerned, is what? A specific language that the speaker did not know, uh, you know, had, had never learned. It's not some ecstatic, angelic language or anything like that. You, you follow it in Scripture. It is always a known language that the, the speaker did not learn. And so Paul says, if any speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. So let's just walk through that for a minute. Paul says, if there is tongues going on in the church, first of all, there is to be a limited number of people using the gift in a worship service. Two, or at the most, three. All right? And that is it. Secondly, notice that it is to be done in an orderly fashion, each in turn, all right? Uh, not every, what was going on at, corner, at Cornerstone, yeah. What was, every, what was going on, I hope not. What was going on at Cornerstone? Everybody was speaking at the same time. These guys over here are singing, this person over here is speaking in tongues, that person back there is prophesying, and it's all going on at the same time. You know, uh, and he says it needs to be done in an orderly fashion. Third, the gift was to be used only if there was someone present who could interpret what was being said. You know, we just spent the last couple of weeks out of the country. It was never so good to hear English being spoken. You know, everywhere, you know, when, I, when we came home. 
there were many, many times where we just begged, does anybody speak English? You know, you, you go to order at, at a restaurant, you, can, can you speak English? You know, and, and uh, uh, I can, there was one incident, and, and Chris could tell it better than I, but we were, we were in a cab in Paris. And if you've ever been to Paris, those people drive like idiots. Uh, um, it, it's just insanity. But we're driving along in this cab, and all of a sudden we all see out of the corner of our eye this little kid, and he couldn't have been more than seven or eight years old, pedaling a bicycle to save his life down the road in Paris. Just going beating his, his little legs were going, and the cab driver saw him, and he, and the reason I tell you is, he started screaming out the window in French at this little kid, and then his dad, we finally figured out, and he, and we had no idea what he was saying. He, he was speaking in tongues, you know. But then he gave the universal symbol that we all understood. He turned to Chris, and he pointed to the way, and he went, we knew what that meant. Paul says, you know, if you're going to speak in tongues in your worship service, somebody has to interpret. And if there's no one that can interpret, what's he say in verse 26? I mean, verse 27, be quiet. Verse, verse, 20, uh, verse 28, excuse me. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. You see, these directives indicate that even with the gift of tongues, think about this and think about even what's going on in the, the, the world today, in the Christian world today. Paul says, even with the gift of tongues, there is no uncontrolled, carried away by the Spirit experience. The, the one with the gift being under the control of the Holy Spirit could wait his turn to speak. If somebody else was speaking, he could not speak at all if there was not an interpreter there. To, to, he is not being carried away uncontrollably. He is, he is being controlled by the Holy Spirit. And folks, one of the things that I really think that we need to see from this, maybe not even necessarily with the gift of tongues, but in our own lives, is the Spirit-controlled believer is one who submits himself to other people. Well, what does Paul say in Ephesians? Submit one to another in love. You know, if, if I am being controlled by the Holy Spirit, I'm not out of control physically. I'm not personally out of control. I'm actually in, in total control of myself because the Holy Spirit is in total control of myself. And, and he will cause me to submit to other people. The problem of tongues there in Corinth. What about the second problem? We see that in verses 29 through 33, and that is the, the directives for using the gift of prophecy. He says, let two or three, verse 29, prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Here Paul gives directives for using the gift of prophecy. 
And uh, once again, he says this. Uh, uh, with this gift, there was a, to be a limited number uh, who prophesy in one service. Again, Paul says two or three. If God has given you the gift of prophecy and God has given you a word for the church, uh, there's, there's only going to be two or three. And those exercising the gift would speak and then the others in the church with the gift of prophecy, we see that in verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others, and I think he's talking about the other prophets there or those with the gift of discernment, let the others judge. And what are they judging? Whether what was just being said was really from the Lord and whether this was really a word from God. Uh, was this person really speaking on behalf of God? Why did they need that? Because they did not have this. They did not have the New Testament. You know, as I speak to you this morning, hopefully that's why I encourage you and want you to bring your Bibles and read along with us and, and study the word yourself. Because if I stand up here and start speaking something that's not here or that goes against here, what should you be able to do? Say, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. You're out of line. You see, they didn't have that in Corinth. They didn't have that. They couldn't turn to 1 Corinthians. They couldn't turn to Ephesians. They couldn't turn to Galatians. Some of the letters were starting to get around, but they did not have a completed New Testament. And so they're still getting revelation from God. They're still getting teaching from God. And so God gave the gift of prophecy. God gave men the ability to stand up and, and here is a word for the church from the Lord. And he also gave others within the church the ability to say, yes, that was from God. We need to, we need to pay attention to that. And so God gave them a system of checks and balances, if you will, in the area of spiritual gifts. And that would allow a congregation to discern truth and to guard the truth of God. Folks, we have the truth of God. And may I say this to you, it is under attack in our world today. And we as believers, we as a church, need to stand up for the truth of God. We need to hold firm to the truth of God. This needs to become very, very important to us. We need to be in it. We need to know what it says. We need to say, you know what, that's from God. And when we start hearing some of this nonsense that we're hearing today, well, that's, that's an old book that's not for today. We need to stand up and say, no, this is God's word and we're going to live by it. Even if it's old fashioned as far as the world is concerned, this is how God wants us to live. God has given us his word so that we can live by it, so we can be obedient to it. Notice what else it says with, with prophets. Verse 30. He says, but if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. What he's talking about there is yielding to one another. In other words, if, if one, as, as the prophet was speaking, if, if another indicated that they had a word from the Lord, the first prophet was to yield to that person. And he was, you know, if someone indicated that God had given him a message to speak as well, the first speaker was to bring his utterance to a close. And they were to yield to one another. Verse 31, this was also, uh, there was to be order in speaking. He says, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and that all may be encouraged. You know, there was to be order in the speaking. 
All of the prophets in a local assembly, Paul says, can and should be heard, but it's to be done in order. Not speaking all at the same time. Can, can you ever really get anything out of something when, when everybody's, I mean, if you all started talking at once and, and you're all trying to be heard and, and you're all trying to say what's most important to you, are we going to get anything out of that? No. Everybody's going to be totally, in fact, it's very frustrating. Paul says you are to speak one after another in successive fashion and you're going to limit it to three speakers in any one worship service. Let me, let me put a fright into you. What if all three Daves spoke every Sunday? One after the other. Wouldn't that be, that'd be amazing. Uh, yeah, uh, we'd have to limit that, wouldn't we, time-wise. But, uh, you know, that's, he, he says, there, there are, if God has given you a word, wait your turn, and two or three at the most. And, and so what does that tell us? You see, this method is in the best interest of all the believers in the church. The speakers need to yield to one another, and that means that a speaker needs to be able to receive instruction just as well as the rest of the congregation. Folks, we all need to be learners. I don't care whether you're, you've been a, I don't care whether I've been a pastor or you've been a pastor, you've been a, an evangelist. I don't care what you're, if, if you are not learning, you know, we never get to the place where we stop learning. And if you're not teachable, if you don't have a teachable spirit, that's something all believers and especially spirit controlled believers should have is that teachable spirit. We should always be learning. We should always be understanding something from the word of God. And if God gives a man a revelation, Paul says, he ought to be heard. But it has to be done in orderly fashion. Well, we've got to hurry on here. Look at verse 32. It's kind of a different verse. Actually, if I, if I linger long enough, I won't have to get down to the directives for about women in the church. And we can just pass over that. But uh, look at verse 32. Paul says this, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Uh, and, and I think what he's talking about is we, we have to remember the culture. In their pagan culture there in Corinth, they were used to being carried away uh, in that out-of-body experience, in that ecstatic experience, and uh, they were carried away so that they would not be able to stop their ecstatic utterance until they were finished. And I think what verse, 31, verse 32 simply is saying is, that's not how the Holy Spirit works. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. With the Holy Spirit, there is discipline. With the Holy Spirit, there is control. With the Holy Spirit, there is order. And so the prophet, and, uh, is, excuse me, the prophet is under, we'll leave that up there. The prophet is under the control of the Holy Spirit so that he can wait his turn to speak. He can stop speaking if somebody else says, I have a word from the Lord. He can yield to someone else. Or he can refrain from speaking altogether if there have already been two or three. You see, here's the point, folks. He's under control. He's under the control of the Holy Spirit. And he can use his spiritual gift with discernment and with brotherly love and consideration of other people. And, and any other type of behavior 
Any other type of use of the spiritual gifts, Paul says. If, if you're doing it and you're out of control and you can't wait for someone else and you can't yield to someone else and you're creating confusion and disorder, that is not of God. Plain and simple. It's not of God. Verse 33, Paul then declares disorder and confusion is out of harmony with God. For God is not the author of confusion He's the author of peace, as it is in all the churches. You see, God, our God is not a God of confusion. Uh, he, he is a God of peace. Don't, you, you can't make him the author of disorder. You can't make him the author of confusion. To claim that, that your disorder in the church, Paul says to the Corinthians, is a result of being carried away by the Holy Spirit, that's just a, that dishonors God. That's not how God works. God will not. Listen to me. God will not, if, this is, if these are the directives, God will not then inspire two people to speak at the same time in the same service. And so he says, you can't blame your self-expression and your lack of discipline on God. And notice he says, this is true in all the churches. This isn't just for you, Corinth. This is for all the churches. Peace and order is God's pattern within the church. His people, God's people, you and I are to have a, a quiet reverence and a submissive heart to the Lord. You know, I think it's, an, it's something worth noting that the problem of tongues and the misuse of spiritual gifts is never mentioned in any other epistle except for Corinth. It seemed to have been a problem where? in this church it seemed to have a problem all right well time is just about up but let's talk about Paul's directives for women he says in verses 34 and 35 let your women keep silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak let's close <laughs> I think I'd be wise um Let's give some thought to what he's saying here in, the, in a, just a very brief moment. I think we again have to think about what was going on in the, the culture and the church at Corinth. We've already seen, if you can remember all the way back to chapter 11, we've already seen that the, the women in Corinth were discarding their roles. Remember he had to talk to them about their head coverings. He had to talk to them about different things. They were discarding their roles of, uh, of the society that they lived in. And here we see that they were presuming to speak out in the public assembly in the church there in Corinth. And this was being done in the name of we are being carried away by the Spirit. All right. And so that, that's what's going on in the church. And, and so let me give us some thoughts to that. For in Corinth, for a woman to speak out in the public assembly in that manner, was considered to be wrong. It was usurping the place of man, and it was showing a lack of submission to her husband. And the women in Corinth are excusing their behavior by saying, we're in the Spirit. We're being carried away by the Spirit. How can you say that's wrong? I'm being led by the Spirit to do that. Paul says, that, that's not correct. And Paul's contention here in these verses 
is that the Holy Spirit will never lead us to do something that is considered to be improper and to overstep our authority. And by the way, folks, let's just pause for a minute and stop back from this issue about women and think about that statement right there. I have heard many, many Christians try to justify their behavior by saying that I prayed about it and the Holy Spirit led me to do this. And it is totally against the word of God. It is totally wrong. The Holy Spirit will never, will never lead us to do that. He will never lead us to, to do something that is considered improper. Getting back to the issue of women, indeed, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, uh, Paul teaches us that the, when the spirit is in control in the life of a, a wife, she is submissive to who? Nobody wants to answer that question. Uh, she's submissive to her own husband. You know, the women in Corinth were bringing shame and reproach upon themselves, upon their husbands, and upon the church through their uncontrolled behavior. And Paul again says that a spirit-controlled person doesn't have to speak. You know, this woman says, well, I have been carried away by the spirit. No, Paul says a spirit-controlled person doesn't have to speak. They can remain silent. They can take that submissive place. And once again, I think the thought is the same as before. Don't blame the Holy Spirit for your lack of control and for your lack of discipline. The Holy Spirit will never lead us to do something that is improper. Well, we're out of time. I can't finish this this morning, but let me just, just give one last thought on this. I know a lot of confusion and discussion comes about this very subject, a, a woman's role in the church, a woman's role of speaking, and, and all of that. Let me say just a couple of things in closing. I believe with all my heart, women can be and may be highly gifted uh, teachers and leaders. But those gifts from Scripture seem to be indicated those gifts are not to be exercised over men and in the services of the church. God has created order in his creation, ordained order in his creation, an order that reflects his own nature and that therefore should be reflected in the church. And, and, and you know, can, can women be excellent teachers? Absolutely. Does that mean I can never learn anything from them? Absolutely not. But what Paul's saying here and what the scriptures seem to be teaching and, and what we seem to see in other places, a woman should not have the position of a pastor. A woman has, should not have the position of, of teaching the church as a whole. All right? that, just, that is not God's plan. That is not God's way. You say, I don't agree with that. Well, take that up with God. Right? And I don't mean that lightly, but we need to be submissive to God's ordained order. And Paul says that that's the way it ought to be in the church. The implication here is that some of the women in Corinth were, were out of line. And they were, they were actually contending with Paul over this. We don't agree with you, Paul. And may I also say, gentlemen, sometimes the ladies take these positions because Why? Men have abdicated their responsibilities. And that's on us. That's on us. Doesn't make it right on their part. 
But it doesn't, it's on, it's on us. Men, we are to be God's leaders in the church. We are to be God's leaders in our homes. And we, as if we are truly spirit-controlled people, we're going to be leading and guiding and directing as husbands and as fathers and as men in the church. And, and ladies are going to be submissive, not in a, oh, I got to do whatever they say. Not, that's not biblical submission. But God has an order in his creation, and this is how it is. Well, there's a lot more we could say about that, but we're already way past time. Let's pray. Father, as we think about some of these things that maybe even bother us, and in our world today, in our society today, we're not even sure how that goes. And it doesn't seem to, to fit with our modern world. Lord, help us to study your word and help us to, to search it out ourselves. Help us to take what you say in your word very seriously. And most of all, Lord, as we think about being controlled by the Spirit, may that be vitally, vitally important to us, that we are under the control of the Spirit. And may we truly understand that when we're under the control of the Spirit, we are not ever going to be out of control in our own life in our behavior, in our words. Lord, may we be spirit-filled believers who love you and who love your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on our church located in Cumberland, Maryland, please go to cumberlandcornerstone.org.